I absolutely hate Atlantic City. It is the scum of the, it's the scummiest city in this country. Uh, no offense to any of our listeners that live in Atlantic City. Don't they have, they, but they make Atlantic records, right? Is that right? I don't know if that's right. I'm know. just saying shit. I don't know, but that is like the white trashiest little town I've ever been to. Wait, and you're from Ohio? And you're going to say that Atlantic it's City is the white trashiest white, it's, town? It's, it's rich. You know how there's like white, rich, white, bougie trash? Like, there's the poor white trash, but yeah. then you've got, like, rich white trash. You know what I'm talking about? People who are trashy but rich. They're a thing. And that's who's in Atlantic City. You're trashy, but you're rich. I'm imagining, like, trophy wives with big fake boob implants that wear yeah, a lot of like, cheetah and carry small purses. Yes, yes, with dogs yes, in them, like yes, little small yes. white fluffy dogs. Yes. Or a chihuahua. All right, yeah, no. Yeah, no, that's Atlantic City. My ex-boyfriend made me go there. I don't know why. He just made you go to he Atlantic like, City? Like, there, want, was there something in mind? He wanted to go. He was like, Ooh, I've never been to Atlantic City. Oh, man. I, no. have always, I have always wanted to go there. Finally, Take we get another another accent in Nina's revolving wheel of accents. This is so great. to Atlantic City. I want to lose $40. He was French. Oh, really? And so we went to Atlantic City. We lost $40. Great. Um, I got the worst sunburn of my life, and it was trash. I hate that city. Sorry once again if you're from Atlantic City, but welcome back uh, to White Collars, Red Hands, everybody. Uh, this is, uh, as always, Kashan Bacheldor sitting across. From me, Nina Kern, as always. As always. And Atlantic City. Who Not, was born there? Nina hates it. Uh, and Nina also hates the person that we're talking about today who just happened to be born in Atlantic City, Jack Abramoff. He's, it just explains everything about him. Like, if he's like, hi, I'm Jack Abramoff. And I was born in Atlantic City. It's like, I know everything I need to know okay, about you, Okay, not every person born in Atlantic City I didn't even know people is a were, piece of garbage. I didn't even know okay? people were born in Atlantic City. I knew people were conceived in Atlantic City. I didn't even see a hospital the whole time I was there. You have to drive on this giant long bridge, and the first thing you have to look at before you get on the bridge at the toll booth is a picture of Chris Christie, and we all know how I feel about him. What? Yeah. Is Atlantic City in New York? New Jersey. Oh, New Jersey. I get. I was telling Nina before the podcast that I'm terrible at geography, including American geography, so I don't... He doesn't even know where we are now. Honestly. I've never, I've been, so I live in Chicago. I haven't been outside of Chicago in Illinois, though. So not really. There is zero reason to go anywhere else. Ah, come on. Springfield? I haven't been there. I've been to Carbondale. Is that a suburb? No, that's five hours south. Went there to visit. Oh, yeah, to visit. uh, The hot ER doctor. Yeah, the doctor. It's worth every minute of that five-hour drive. He's a good personality. Anyways, Jack Abramoff. Oh, that's nice, at least. Yeah. That ended nice. I like that. He does. He does. He has a great personality. Most of your, more of your stories should end like that. Nice and cute with a little bow and less of, I'm not even going to get, I'm not even going to get into it. The trash. So Jack Abramoff, his trial was seen as one of the largest corruption trials ever. It actually is seen as one of the largest corruption convictions ever in American history. So this is our first time revisiting uh, corruption or a corruption trial since our first episode. Rod Blagojevich. Who I saw running 
on my way to work the other day. Yep, he's always jogging around here, that little Pinocchio-faced, white-haired bitch. He has such good hair. It did age really nice. And... Guy sucks. I couldn't see his mothball balls bouncing in his shorts. No, they're gone now. He lost them in prison. They go. That's a fact. They go. That's a fact. You can look it up. His wife fed him to the tarantulas. Yeah. Uh, so Jack Abramoff was born in Atlantic City, as we already mentioned, in 1959 to uh, Jane and Franklin Abramoff, uh, the latter of which was the president of franchises of the uh, Diners Club. It's a credit card company. Yeah, that's the, that is the OG credit card. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's the original credit card. Damn, look at you. Yeah. So ah, I said I didn't know anything before we started. I was like, I don't know anything about this because I had a huff, a, a huff, a tough week. And I, at least I know about the Diners Club. Got a huff week. Got a huff a week. Uh, and then at 10, because, I mean, obviously his dad had money then, they mm-hmm. moved to sunny Beverly Hills, California. Which explains also everything else about him. Well, see, when I think of, like, bougie, sh- like, crappy, rich white people, I think of Beverly Hills. Yeah. So. It's a different breed of yeah. that. Maybe Atlantic City is just the Beverly Hills of the East. Which, shortly after, every single piece of media that I watch on this always mention this. I don't think it's really that big of a deal because it doesn't really come up later in this story. But uh, he switched to Orthodox Judaism. He converted to Orthodox Judaism because he saw the movie version of Fiddler on the Roof. It's just weird. That's why it's mentioned. It's like, who in the... What? What? Yeah. How old was he when he did that? He's like, if I was a rich man, I want to wear a. He's like, that's me. Yamaka. That's me. And then he was, and he still is. Yeah, he so is. So he like he cemented himself there. But how old was he when he converted to Judaism? I think it was right. He was like twelve. He was young. So Jack attended uh, Beverly Hills High School, which just seems like uh, it's a real high school, but it just seems like a high school out of a fake like teen drama. Beverly Hills High School sounds like somebody was trying to write about high school students in Beverly Hills and but had never been to Beverly Hills and was like, just call it Beverly Hills High School. Yeah, it's Beverly Hills High School. Uh, And he was a star lineman of the football team and also a champion weightlifter. He could power squat 510 pounds. So that means he could power squat me. Yes, you're less than 510 pounds. He could power squat me, and I'm a significant amount heavier than you. But you're less than 510 pounds. Oh, I don't know. I, no, I, know I am. You are. No, I am. This floor isn't that sturdy. You would have fallen through. Yikes. What? If you were 510 pounds, you'd be like Gilbert Grape's mom. Don't make me cry right now. <laughs> That's a good movie. Don't they have to forklift her out of the house? Don't make me cry right now. Wow, he's actually tearing up. I'm not. It's we both sad. can cry tonight. When he's like, you know, he's like, wake up, mama. That you could, but she's dead, so she won't wake up. It's sad, man. I think I brain dumped that part of the movie. <sighs> Anyways. Anyway, Jack attended a private university in Boston, Massachusetts. Ugh, and all these cities are just like, ugh, woof. By the name of Brandeis University or Brandeis? I don't know. Brandeis? I don't know. Brandeis? Uh, but it was here that he first got his foray into politics uh, because he came the school chairman for the uh, branch of the College Republicans, which is like this, it's basically just a it's big a group of future oh. Republican leaders it's like a in weird college. Ass little club. But he was his school's chairman, and then he became the Massachusetts state chairman for the uh, board of College Republicans. What a fucking nerd. Like, why do you want to do that? I do. The people who really want to be politicians, I they guess. really want to be politicians. I, that's what this is. I guess. I just, you know what? I was watching a movie this weekend 
And it was about a killer clown. And I told the guy I was watching it with, I said, you know, I just don't think I'm dedicated enough to be a murderer because this is a lot of work. And that's how I feel about politicians. I just like, that's a lot of work and I'm not that dedicated. Wow. What a way to tie in serial killing and politics, like right off the bat. Yeah, the Terrifier. Terrible movie. Jack Abramoff. I I want you guys to remember that through the rest of this story, when we talk about Jack Abramoff and what he does, he believes wholeheartedly, at least my opinion, he believes wholeheartedly that what he's doing is correct. He believes he's fighting for his political views, and he thinks that his political views are correct. So when we talk about some of the choices he makes and who he decides to support, when it comes down to it, he honestly believes that some of these things are right. And he's wrong. Uh, obvious, <laughs> I mean, he's wrong. He's, he's wrong. He thinks he's right, but he's wrong. But he had a lot of people behind him because he then mounted a campaign to become the national chairman for the college, college Republicans. Republicans. And the campaign cost $11,000 which if you you're literally going to be like the president of a college club and you just spent 11 they fundraise but you just spent $11,000 to do it. That's a waste of money. Well, I mean, he did become one of the most powerful political leaders in America yeah, in the but Republican at party, what so cost? it did something. Boy, he went to prison, right. obviously. We're going to talk about that, but it's like dude, if you would have just been fucking normal in college, you probably would have not have gone to jail. Well, and here's the thing is that the even Republicans didn't take the college Republicans serious at the time because they thought the college uh, age Republican was actually not conservative enough for the Republican Party. This is when Reagan was president. So like the height of Republicanism, as we think today, the height of the party, as we think today, what a lot of people look back on as the best times of the Republican Party. The Republican Party thinks that the college Republicans aren't really conservative enough for them. They didn't really have ties with them that much. But Jack Abramoff, when he became the national chairman, he swung them far towards the right, far towards a radical right. They were more moderate leaning before, and they swung uh, far radical. He started uh, putting rallies on campuses across the country to support like or to raise voter awareness. And he did this by setting up a non-for-profit that, by definition, was not supposed to have political affiliations. So they said that these like these rallies didn't have a political bias, but they sure would help Republicans in the next poll. Like, he would say shit like that. Thanks, Jack. <laughs> he rose so much that he spoke at the 1984 Republican National Convention. He was a key, like, a keynote addresser. I cannot think of a place I would rather not be than the Republican <laughs> National Convention. Many of the people that Jack would meet in this uh, college Republican group, though, would later to go on to have very influential spots in Washington and be key people that he would deal with later in his lobbying career. Um, mm-hmm. A couple of them is... That is interesting. Like, you wonder if he... Well, what I'm about to say isn't very smart, but it's just like maybe he influenced them. To get into the, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, uh, never mind. Like, you think he got them to get into the position? Well, maybe not the actual position, but maybe he lit the fire under their ass since he was so like, I'm crazy for a Republican. Honestly, I think a lot of these people worked together. They realized that this was the best way to gain power, which politicians usually do. They want to find the the path of least resistance to get them the most people that agree with them. Right. So I think he just had a lot of people that bought on because they were seeing it worked. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and they were like, yeah, let's do that. And I think some of them wholeheartedly believed in it. Like this guy, Grover Norquist, who ended up being, um, he was a staffer for Newt Gingrich, which if you remember when we were younger, was the Speaker of the House back in the Republican majority house. The When the Republicans during the Bush era controlled all three branches. They, yes. Like how the Democrats have it now. That horrible, horrible man. First of all, your name is Newt, so I don't trust you. Yeah, you just don't you got a witch to go be with? Right? <laughs> you weirdo. Go get in some weird stew, dude. Got fucking got him. Um good one, Kashan. But yeah, so Grover <laughs> Grover Norquist uh worked with him and he was uh, a Leninist conservative. So, you know What does that mean? He took the ideals of uh, Lenin in Russia before oh, Stalin took over and oh, made communism and, and like went communism. Did you think John Lenin? That was the only Lenin I could think of for a minute, and I was like, "This makes no do sense." You, do you see how I spelt? Yes, I Lenin see how it's spelled. with an I. I was just like, I have no idea what this means. John Lennon could not have been a Republican. Yeah, he walked around being like, imagine all the, the people. What if we eliminated taxes and trickled down? <laughs> we both just <laughs> went hard on different <laughs> things. Um, so, and he opposes, and he still does this. He's still an active player on politics. He opposes all taxes, just all of them. I hate these type of people, but whatever. Yeah, he was the... Eventual president for Americans for Tax Reform, which is still a uh, conservative advocacy group, which tries to get people from raising taxes and wants their sole aim would be to reverse all taxes at some point. And he also had a really interesting. How do you even plan on having society function with no taxes? That you know what? That's a really fucking good question. Why don't we call him? Uh, <laughs> hey, Grover. <laughs> One weird name. But also, I loved you. But I loved you on the Muppets, right? The little blue bitch. Wow, isn't he blue? You're coming hard for Grover. Yeah, I just don't trust anybody. He's got a big hook nose. Yeah, he is. You know, um, so uh, Grover Norquist. He wants to uh, drown the government in the bathtub. Yeah, you saw that. He said uh, he had a quote that I thought was very interesting that he said that he's like he doesn't want to get rid of government. He just wants to shrink it down to a size that he could beat it, drag it into the bathroom and then drown it in the bathtub. That's so violent. Yes, it is. My uncle once said like these people just remind me a lot of my family members who I don't agree with. Um, but I remember when Obama was president, my uncle said that all of Washington just needs to blow up and then we need to rebuild. No. That's what he said. <laughs> no. Just, I like, we could, politics has been hundreds of years of people talking very, you know, upsettedly about these yeah. topics. Yeah. Um, so we won't get into it, but yeah. no. No, that's not the answer. Uh, Don't blow everything up. That's a lot of money. The other person that Jack Abramoff met was this guy named Ralph Reed, who became the director for the Christian Coalition, um, which is a very uh, big coalition for advocacy of Christian values. I know the Christian Coalition. Well, he's the, he is the current director of the Christian coalition. He still is. Um, and he mounted a lot of religiously backed campaigns for Abramoff, like uh, when they lobbied and they needed something done and they think the best way to do it would be to target uh, religious conservative Americans. They would have him do a campaign. And they called this the uh, the Abramoff Reed Norquist triumvirate. They called it that. Very weird. Like these are weird. They were very like 
we're politicians, they're but they're like fucking weird. They're like twenty one, so they all you know that they all touched each other's dicks a little bit, and they'll you don't nev- call they'll never talk about it. A triumvirate yes. and not ch- check e- like touch each other's genitals. <laughs> like, come on. Who t- calls themselves that? You know, and then if you You're have... You're all fucking each other. If you have two guys and one girl, it's the devil's triumvirate. Oh? From what I hear. They had uh, Kelly and Conway in there with them. Mm-hmm. And then if you both stand on one side erect, then it's the uh, Eiffel Tower triumvirate, from what I hear. It is. Um, and one of the things, the first things that really shows you uh, Abramoff's views and how he viewed conservatism was his creation of something called the International Freedom Foundation, which is a self-described virally anti-communist organization to fight for freedoms in communist-controlled areas of the world. So freedom of speech, freedom of press. I just don't, like, I get the communism. I understand why people don't like communism, but, like, these people that are just so anti-communism and that's all that they can focus on. Yeah. They're just so weird. Well, I think those people also forget that the far right also has something all the way to the radical side. And right. that's fascism. Right. But they don't see that. But, you know, there's not liberals being like, well, actually, there are a there lot of liberals <laughs> that are like, they're like, this is fascism. And you're like, but it, it's probably not. But like that, those are just the extremes. And people are right. always going to point that out saying like, oh, yeah, no, that's that. But yeah. you're not all the way there. It's a gradient. Right. So, whatever. And what the IFF, the biggest thing the IFF did is that they uh, they denounced this idea that KGB was planting agents in South Africa to strengthen communism in the area and, like, to weaken um, the democratic areas of South Africa. I just want to know their reasoning behind that because I don't understand like how that would be beneficial for the KGB. The Cold War was a lot about communism and the spread of communism and and communist countries tried to spread their ideology to other countries and it's always kind of been that way. So I think it's just that. Africa just seems like a very far way to go for them. Well, yeah. It's like, are you really going to go that far? But they were technically there. They were doing stuff like this. Um, And these guys thought of themselves as freedom fighters, like the college Republicans. You know, they're young. They're foolhardy in their beliefs. They think they're freedom fighters. And he went out there to meet some actual freedom fighters in Angola who were, like, fighting for the South African government in Angola. But there's something wrong with the South African government. If you guys know anything about South African politics, it's that that it's it's very racially Segregated and something called the uh, the apartheid regime. It's this uh, yeah, government the, uh, system in South Africa that supports racial separation and keeps white people specifically in power. Right. Which well, I'm pretty sure white people is a minority too. So um, that was a big part of what Ma- Nelson Mandela fought against was apartheid, and a lot of people had a problem with that. But Abramov <laughs> came out to meet this guy and talked to his like followers his soldiers like we support you and and like trying to raise awareness for them even though they were technically fighting for the apartheid side of south africa and they were also known to like steal children and incorporate them into the regime it was pretty fucked up yeah they there's a poor africa but in his 
like blind anti-communist supportings. This is what he chose to support without any of the thinkings of morally what might be wrong with it. And that's going to be a pattern with what we're going to talk about. That's a huge pattern. So I actually was watching an interview with him and he said um, the thing that bothered him about himself the most was that he had convinced himself that everything that he was doing, he was not making... Like, everything that he did, it wasn't morally wrong, and he had reasons for why it wasn't morally wrong. Yeah, he's rationalizing it. He rationalizes it, and he says that's... To him, like, looking back on it, he said that that's worse than actually doing what he did, which is, like, arguable. And when he was even in that interview and saying those things, I was like, this is a man who's trying to convince us that he feels bad for what he did when he really just does not feel bad for what he did. Because we can see from a very young age, this is how he behaved. Yeah. This is a pattern. He's a narcissist. Obviously, but yeah, like, and I mean, most most politicians are. You kind of got to be to be able right. to just say things. But here we are now. The weirdest part of this whole story, at least in my mind, is that he moved back to Hollywood and he just became a movie producer for ten years. Yeah, like why not? And he specifically produced movies that were funded through the IFF that was indirectly funded by the South African government that made movies very similar. To the what he had witnessed in Angola, like uh, Dolph Lundgren, the guy from Rocky who goes, if he dies, he dies, uh, starred in the movie Red Scorpion, which he produced. And I think he also wrote the first one. It was very weird where he plays like a KGV Soviet style like uh, soldier in an Angola ish country that comes to fight like the regime there. How did that do in the box office? I don't know. I know that originally the original budget for it was eight million dollars. It ended up costing double that. It cost sixteen million, and then they still made a second one. He made he made a sequel that he executive produced called Red Scorpion (laughs) Two. Well, eighty eight percent of Google users liked the movie. Wow! It got a seventeen percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay, and a five point two out of ten on IMBD. At the box office, it did not do. It did not do good, considering it cost $16 million. How much did it make? $4.2. Ooh. Ooh. They made 25% of their budget back? Yeah. And they still made a second one? Yep, but if you want to um, watch this, you can on Amazon Prime Video for two ninety nine. I got to say, I probably do want to watch that more than the dramatic movie that they made about Jack Abramoff called Casino Jack, which stars none other than Kevin Spacey as Jack Abramoff. It, it, yeah. Like, if you told me that I watching a movie about Jack Abramoff, I'd probably be more upset at the guy playing him then actual Jack Abramoff. Yeah. That would that's kind of crazy. <laughs> I always have a moral dilemma because I do enjoy Kevin Spacey's work, but he's such a shit human. I just can't I can't look at him now. I can't hear yeah. him talk. It pisses me off. But then I think of all the other horrible things other people do and we still celebrate them. So then I'm like, well, I still have a moral dilemma. You know what? I guess that's fair. I'm going to come out. Hot take. Uh, the remix to Ignition by R. Kelly is still a bop. I still love that song, yeah, but I hate R. Kelly. Yeah, R. Kelly's a piece of shit. And that like, song we is so still good. worship Michael Jackson. He totally touched those kids. Yeah. But I'm sorry. Billy Jean is in my top ten. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. It's just hard. Moral dilemmas. So obviously these movies, not a big success. Mm -mm. So Jack needed to find another line of work. And he was approached because of all of his connections in 
the governmental sphere. It's all that to time be a at the Nash little like college Republican thing. Yeah, I mean, it introduced him to a lot of people. Yeah. He was a big leader in the party. He had already, I mean, he had found this foundation, which was kind of shitty in general. But he, you know, he showed that he could get shit done, basically. Um, and they approached him to be a lobbyist. He joined a Seattle-based law firm as a, their head conservative lobbyist because they mostly did Democratic-based lobbying. But they wanted to hire someone in that had the other views so they could also tap that market. This this is the time I want to break down. Uh, many people right now might not know what a lobbyist is, including Nina, because I described to her what it God, was he just, so before like, this. I was, the little research I did do on this topic before my life came crashing down this week, um, I was watching this stuff and reading this stuff, and I was like, I really don't understand what a lobbyist is. And then Kashan explained it to me, and I was like, I just still don't get the point, and I'm not <laughs> trying to be stupid. I promise I'm not trying to be stupid. It just seems like very, like, I get it, but I just don't get how it's a real job, and I don't get how you make money doing it. Like, because companies will pay you to do it because they want, they know that it can get shit done. But okay. for those of us at home, lobbying is a process by which people try to contact government officials to get them onto their side on a certain subject. While there are some that are solely interested in the public interest, many lobbyists are for profit. They take fees from an organization, including a fee to actually do the lobbying, and that uh, organization wants a certain thing done politically, and then they do their best to create campaigns, and by pulling other tricks, contacting government officials they know to get that done. And Abramoff is definitely of the latter. He was definitely a yeah. for-profit lobbyist. Well, and in the 60 Minutes interview that I was watching, she was like, your company was charging 10 times more than any other lobbying mm -hmm. uh, firm or whatever you want to call them, company. I don't know. A firm or a company? It's a, it's a lobbying firm. Yeah. It's usually so a law like, firm has a lobbying department. Yes. Yeah, so she's like, your firm was charging 10 times more than all the other lobbying firms in Washington. Mm -hmm. And he was like, yeah. He also never lost. And when I say he never, he never lost, lost, that means he never lost. And one of the people in the documentary, one of the documentaries I watched actually said, if you see a lobbyist that never loses, they're doing something wrong. Yeah. Because basically... You can create the campaigns. You can try to convince people. You can try to get um, politicians elected that hold on to those beliefs to try and get something done law-wise. Yeah. But if you're always winning, you're pulling the strings a little bit because, yeah. you know, you can't. It's oh, just not always going to go your way if you're pl if you're playing fair. Sometimes you don't win. Sometimes you can't convince enough people to elect the person. But he always won. One of the first big clients that Abramoff brought to this new Seattle-based law firm were a group of islands in the Pacific Ocean called the Commonwealth of the Northern Marina Islands, or the CNMI. Um, should we, like, warn people before this? Yeah, so we're... It's bad. Yeah, we're going to get into some stuff, so uh, a little little bit of trigger warning. The podcast I listen to calls it Gold Star Material, when they talk about stuff that might be a little bit rough. On it's people, pretty, it's pretty bad. So, just forewarned, we're going to get into some harrowing stuff. Yeah. Now, the CNMI is an unincorporated territory commonwealth of America uh, that consists of some islands in the Pacific Ocean, as I met. Now, these these islands could produce goods, uh, mainly textile goods. There were a lot of like clothing uh, factories, fabric factories on there, and they could label them "Made in the USA" because it is a commonwealth of America, but it's not 
part of America. It's like Puerto Rico. And you know what the college Republicans love to buy? Things that are made in America. Exactly. Made Just in like the USA, baby. All those MAGA hats. Made in America. <laughs> so uh, they could write made in the USA on the tags, but although they could do that, they were not subject to American laws such as the federal minimum wage or OSHA safety regulations. The American way. The true American way. Exactly. So the owners of these... I'm just going to call them what they are, sweatshops. They hired Abramov to lobby to keep these restrictions out of the islands because there was an end to the time period when they would no longer be under the restrictions. Right. Yeah, and they would have stuff? to start enforcing them. Yeah. And they wanted it extended. So they hired Abramov to get them extended. Now, here's the thing, though. These were terrible places. Yeah, it's... Yeah. The, the people who were working here were basically indentured servants they were sourced mostly out of like immigrants out of china and india and these workers were recruited to the factories by people who would make them pay fees to get the job like four thousand to six thousand dollars to these people where the federal minimum wage or they're probably i don't even think there is a mandated minimum wage in these countries but they're making less than a dollar an hour right and they're coming to a place where they think they're making good money because they're making like like 175 an hour well they are making good money i mean comparatively comparatively technically they are going to be making good money but now these companies are charging them money to come out in the first place to get the job four thousand six thousand dollars and they would garnish these wages from their paychecks so although they came to the factory on on this thought that they would be making more money than what they could make in their own countries they ended up going months without receiving an actual paycheck because they were just garnishing they're garnishing their wages how long it would take so let's say they're making a dollar 75 Hmm. I'm I'm sure the hours were not what they were supposed to be. No, they're probably working 50, 60 hours a week. So I did it as if they're working 10 hours a day. So I put 70. Yeah. So minimum they're making they're making under $500 a month. 490 was what I got. So that's a year. So that's to like make $6, a year $6, of a year of wages. Yeah. Some and bullshit. This is and it it gets worse because these people they couldn't they couldn't leave the island they don't have enough money to leave to even go home they had to start turning to less savory means to make money there is now a thriving sex trade or at least there was most of these factories have shut down by now but in the 80s because of this there was a thriving sex trade on here uh human trafficking uh the women who were working in the sweatshops at the sewing machines had to turn to uh basically forced prostitution they kind of talked about this way it's like so you have to get a side job now so you go work as a waitress but then waitressing turns into an erotic dancer and then erotic dancing turns into forced prostitution basically because you have to make money and even even then, in these textile factories, there were many reports of the women being raped on the premises by foremen, by beatings. They would get beat. Um, they were chained to their sewing machines. And then, because sex trade is now such a thing, the women who got pregnant in that sex trade were then pressured into abortions by the factory to keep them working. So, Jack Abramoff is lobbying to keep regulations from coming to this island, even though all that's happening. And he called on a close relationship 
with then Republican Senate Majority Leader Tom DeLay. He knew some of uh, Tom DeLay's staffers. And now DeLay, interesting man in his own right, uh, he was a former exterminator who got upset because the government banned the use of DDT and extermination. The EPA did. And he ended up running a campaign supporting the ending of all government regulations. And when I mean okay, all... C8. That, that's self-regulated. It's it's terrible. And he wants to get rid of all regulations, Like, and I mean all of them. He wants like the Department just, of Education to be gone. He wants to get rid of the EPA. Everything. I just don't understand people who think like this. Like, what do you have... Like, what do you think is going to happen? That's a political science course, and there's a lot to get into. I um, never took one. <laughs> I want to. I need to go back. Uh, he also uh, pioneered the use of PACs, which is like a uh, a way to fundraise for campaigns that gets around like individual like company fundraising limits that were in place at the time. Uh, they ended up getting rid of those. By the way, there are no caps on campaign like uh, contributions to campaigns from companies anymore, like there used to be. So that seems fishy. Fun to think about. Um, and Abramoff used his connections to DeLay and other congressional Republicans and the fees paid to him by Mariana business owners to fund trips for congressmen and women, Republican congressmen and women, um, to the CNMI. But the thing is, is he'd invite them out to show them that, hey, they don't need these restrictions put on them by showing them like a doctored one hour tour of the factories. Like, look at people. They're all happy because they'd like force them to be happy. Right. It's like when people show up to North Korea and they like put fake food in the stores and stuff yeah. to make it seem like it's better. That's what they were doing. It's kind of like the scene in an elf when they make Buddy go into the mail room and like it's such a nice building but then you get into the mail room and it's terrible working conditions i didn't think an elf metaphor was coming today when i wrote up this outline did not think that was coming but here we are it's like that scene in elf (laughs) um and then they would take this one hour tour and then they would just go back to the five-star resort resort on the island and just live it up for three days drinking and like playing golf and shit you know instead of one hour tour you know what they needed a three-hour tour. A three-hour tour. What, what is this? What oh, are you, what are you doing? Island. I don't watch Gilligan's Island. You call me an old man, but you're referencing Gilligan's fucking island. It's a good show. It slaps. All right, Nina. Uh, <laughs> so th- this could be seen as a way to kind of bribe these congressmen. He's basically giving them an all-expenses-paid trip to say, hey, you should support extending, uh, not imposing... American work regulations on these islands. And that's kind of the basis of what corrupt lobbying looks like. They came back and they all agreed. Basically, they were like, yep. Yeah, cool. We don't need to do that. But there was one Democratic congressman who went out of his own accord. And instead of just taking the doctor tours of the factory, he got a translator. and He's like, I want to talk to the people that live here. They had all the terrible things to say. Accounts of them being raped and even worse, one man during uh, the interview just started crying and the interviewer was like, why are you crying? You need to tell the congressman why you're crying. And he was like, will you please buy my kidney or do you know someone who will buy my kidney so that I can get off this island? That's so upsetting and sad and terrible. Yo, that's messed up in a different degree. And once again... Like I remind you, Jackie Roth thinks he's doing the I don't know right how you thing sleep right now. At night, when you know shit like that's going on, and you're like, 
making it happen. You have no moral compass. No. And this this showed Abramoff's how Abramoff lobbied, how he could set up a quid pro quo or this for that. You know, I give you this trip, you do something for me, you pass a law for me, yeah. or you don't pass a law for me. Um, and he did that not only with the CNMI, uh, but with many other things. Uh, and it is a law that politicians cannot accept gifts from lobbyists or lobbying interested people because lobbyists have to, um, oh, what is it? When you like sign yourself up, you like it's register like a moral code oh, when you, you have to register as <laughs> a moral code. Uh, you have to register as a lobbyist. So if you, oh. so they know like, okay, if you're giving something to somebody and you're registered as a lobbyist, you've broke a law. Oh, so like you, like a registered sex offender. Yes, like a registered sex offender. Um, and Abramoff owned four skyboxes at FedEx Field, home of the now Washington football team and then the Redskins, um, where he would gift tickets to politicians or he would set up fundraisers in these skyboxes during games or concerts. And these cost him $1 million annually to maintain. Yeah, but when you're making that much money, it's not. It's a well, drop in the bucket. Yeah, but that's the thing. You're paying money in. This is obviously you're you're giving favors to people, right? Uh, and Abramoff also owned a restaurant, Signatures Restaurant, which was seen as uh, one of the most successful restaurants in the D.C. area. It shut down after kind of the law yeah, closed in around um, him. But Bob Nay, who we'll talk about in a little bit, um, in an interview I was watching, he was talking about like. If Abramoff didn't get you into signatures, it was impossible to get into signatures. Yeah. And that was the thing. He would take people as like favors of people like politicians. He was trying to schmooze to do something. He would take them to his restaurant, comp them a meal, you know, at one of the most luxurious restaurants in town that he just happened to own. And this is. Could you imagine serving there? Oh, it'd be shitty. I don't want to serve a bunch of politicians. My God. That would be. That's awful. Holy moly. They got to be terrible people. They might be good tippers, but terrible people. I don't think they would be good tippers. Some of them got to be. They just put taxation as theft or something on there, but they make the taxes. So you're yeah. like, what are you doing? Yep. Uh, and I believe in Jesus. I don't pay taxes. <laughs> cool. Throwback. <laughs> Damn, that's from. Um, like the second episode. Yeah, like the second, the third, I think. It was Richard Nixon. It was the yep. third episode. Um, so he, and then the worst one of all of them, the thing that he would finally be one of the things that got a lot of people convicted in this is that, that he would uh, pay personally for trips to Scotland. And then he would take uh, politicians with him to go golfing in Scotland. Like they get on a corporate jet, they fly to Scotland, they golf, they talk about stuff. I didn't know that Scotland was like this golfing They oasis. invented golf in Scotland. Okay. It is from Scotland. Oh, oh, oh. I didn't know that. Yeah. There's a whole, um, Robin Williams does a whole bit on it. Oh, I should watch it. He's like, what are we going to do with a regular stick? He's like, are we going to use a regular stick? He's like, no, we're going to use a crooked, fucked up stick. It's very funny. I'm not doing it justice, but it's very funny. Um, and this is when he took Bob Nay. He took Bob Nay, a House Republican, in return for him to sneak a gambling provision to allow a casino opening into an election reform bill, of all things, which is another thing that I really wish just wasn't a thing in lawmaking is that you can just like sneak little addendums and backdoors onto laws that have nothing to do 
with it. It's such a BS. It's so corrupt and crazy and terrible. Yeah, I was like, I don't know how you regulate that, but there's got to be a way because that it's it's not conducive to like a free democratic system. No. Um, you're probably wondering, hey, why did he want? A casino to be opened. Well, that takes us to the the most illegal thing he did. Now, the, well, uh, quote air quotes most illegal. Yeah, because the the CNMI the we thing talked that about. He yeah. got in the most trouble for was this next upcoming bit. Yeah, I would argue that what happened on those islands was more illegal. But yeah, well, it honestly, it's not. Illegal. It's just really shitty. Right. <laughs> you know, yes. it's just a it's just a bad thing to do. Yes. But this is quote unquote actually illegal. So the largest thing he did is that he actually developed relationships to lobby for six Native American tribes across the U.S. where he took money from them to support their interests, largely centered around tribal casinos or tribal gambling laws. Uh, one of the first things he did that actually got him in with these tribes across America is that he lobbied to shoot down a law that it would that it would impose a federal tax upon money made at tribal casinos because still to this day they're not taxed if the casinos are on a reservation or on land that is owned by the tribe it's not taxed by the US government and they were trying to impose a law that would tax it in the early 2000s and he lobbied for uh Native American interests to get it shot down and he won how to feel about it gambling is a weird one i don't know I if you want to like, yeah. i don't know we did so many shitty things to the native americans like let them have no tax oh no i'm definitely i'm definitely on the side of if, like just let them do it yeah is that it's their land like we've messed with them so much you know let them do it this i do not their care land it is not our land don't charge them taxes we killed all their men yeah yeah. That's a sad but appropriate song. Yeah, uh, I made it up right now. Now, however, you think maybe Abramoff actually cares about Native Americans. No, he doesn't care. <laughs> no, he doesn't. He only cares about himself. He was charging ridiculously high lobbying prices. How you said that he was charging 10 times more. I think they were specifically referring to this because at one point he charged the Tigua tribe $4.2 million in just three months for lobbying fees and the invoices he sent to them like literally in the like items provided it just said professional services 3.5 million dollars dude what you're the worst and he was representing a really large law firm so they didn't really question it you know they just thought that this is how it goes and he would even he would even show up to them and say hey i know this is a lot of money but it's not for me I don't take any of the money, I'll, but we have to pay my friend whose company is devising the campaigns, you know, and that friend was a guy by the name of Michael Scanlon, who specialized in creating grassroots campaigns, which are campaigns that are funded by public interest, like they come from people, like when it says, like, vote yes on Prop 203 to end the government tax hike or whatever, you see those all the time those are grassroots campaigns where they're made to look where they're made from like people who actually have a vested interest in whatever it is but this style is something called astroturfing where it's fake <laughs> where they make fake campaigns that look like they're based on real people and they were overcharging these people by so much and scanlan would take the money and then secretly give 50% back to jack abramoff as a kickback for personal gain 50% 50 
percent. What the heck? And they set up a shell company to do it too. This thing called the AIC, which is the American International Center. Stupid fucking name. Uh, to move money to Abramoff controlled firms from Scanlon's company. So it was this fake think tank that Michael Scanlon used to be a uh, a lifeguard and he still was a lifeguard in the summers because he bought this like nice house is like Rothesbane and I think it was the name of the area or whatever. This beach house used to be owned by the DuPonts. Fun fact. So there's a little callback yeah, to the to last the, couple of our episodes. The, uh, not not the, the DuPont that killed somebody. Yes. That DuPont. Who is also related to the DuPont that poisoned a bunch of people. They all killed people. They're all together. Um, But he bought a house that used to be owned by them, and he was still a lifeguard in the summers because he just liked doing it. And he got one of his lifeguard friends to become the uh, head chairman of this shell company think tank. (laughs) And he was in one of the documentaries, and in his own words was not qualified to run a Baskin Robbins, let alone a conservative think tank. I don't even know what a think tank is. Did that guy get in trouble? No. Okay. I don't think so. He wasn't listed in the convictions, at least. So. Okay. Um, so they'd move money into him. him. He's literally, like, in a basement under the story on which he lived on with, like, a couple of computers that they just used it to They pay money to them and then pay money out of there to Abramoff-controlled firms. Uh, and over three years, Abramoff billed the six tribes for a total of $82 million in lobbying years. fees. Three years. It's almost $30 million a year in three years, to which he kept a personal profit on kickbacks of up to $21 million. That's crazy. And now, when this started coming out, the, the tribes obviously got kind of pissed off at him after a little bit. Like, they were spending so much money. So they started, like, leaking information to journalists, which then caused John McCain to... John McCain. Exactly. To head up a a committee that would investigate into Jack Abramoff. And I don't think that John McCain realized just how deeply Abramoff's ties with the Republican like party were because John yeah. McCain was a Republican. Right. And I don't think he knew how many of his Republicans he was going to bring in. Cause I don't think they would have pursued no, I Abramoff don't think to the extent that they did. But so he was pulled in front of Congress and he was uh, questioned about all of it, to which he literally plead the fifth to every single question they asked, which is always the, the most annoying thing to watch in a congressional hearing is when someone's just like, I'm not going to do anything. And they ask him like 150 questions. And oh every time he's God. like, I must uh, go by the advice of my counsel and uh, refrain from answering these questions as per my Fifth Amendment right. Just that's the answer to every single question. It's like when they were like interviewing Jeffrey Epstein and they're like asking him all those questions. He's like, I pee the flip. I plead the fifth. I pee the flip. I I pee the flip. He's like, I I plead the fifth. I plead the fifth. And then they're like, is it true that you have an egg shaped penis? And he's like, ah! He's like, no, it's at least two eggs. (laughs) Uh, So he he came and he he plead the fifth, but. They found, they got a hold of all of his emails that he sent. The emails! They got a hold of all of his emails, and it turns out he really liked to communicate through email. And he... Which is actually really dumb. Yeah, him and him and Mike Scanlon put basically they, the... It's a enti- paper trail! They, and they, they laid out the entirety of the scheme, basically, through emails. They called it the Gimme 5 uh, scam, because they would say things like, 
oh, we're going to get the money from this tribe. Uh, give me five. Let's turn this uh, three million into five dollars. And don't and don't forget to give me five. And that was them referring to the kickbacks they were going to get. He also said stuff just like the way he talks in email is very funny. He said stuff like you is the man. And the worst That's how I text yeah, people. You in like really- is IZ demand. No, not IZ. Yeah, he said IZ. Oh, IZ demand. You is demand. Oh, Jack Abramoff. And one of the worst things he said was if the tribe doesn't stop being so fucking cheap and pay on those fees, we'll give them another trail of tears. And that was one thing. He said a lot of really messed up stuff in these emails. I have nothing to say to that. That is absolutely asinine. Now, uh, while this was all going on, though, the real nail in the coffin uh, was being inserted into Jack Abramoff. And that was because it's going to seem distant, but it's going to tie back in. A Greek immigrant (laughs) named Gus Bouli was forced to sell his fleet of casino ships uh, under the name of Sun Cruise Casino. And he was forced to do so because he was not an American citizen. I didn't look into the actual legality of that, but maybe you can't own gambling institutions if you're not an American citizen. I don't know. Interesting. Well, no, I'm not even going to dip into that. Like, I I could guess why. Like, I feel like it's a really good way to launder money. Probably. Um, But people already launder money a ton in yeah. casinos, so it doesn't. People launder money fucking everywhere. Everywhere. The Vatican launders money. Go yeah. listen to our Michelle Sendona yeah. episodes if you want to learn about that. Yeah. So there's this guy in the area. I know a guy. There's this guy in the area. His name is Adam Kadan. And he is the owner of a mattress purchasing and delivery service. And he's also the spokesman of this service called 1-800-MATTRESS. I swear to God, I know this thing. It sounds very familiar, right? And they have this like... They have this funny commercial where it's yes, like a squirrel yes, getting a mattress yes. delivered. I know what this is. Yeah, well, uh, Adam Kadan owned it. And Adam Kadan was also one of Jack Abramoff's close college friends. Adam Kadan was also a piece of shit. And he lives around where Gus Bully is and where these Sun Cruise ships are being sold. And Abramoff contacted Adam Kadan after hearing him on the radio and knowing he was in the area about asking him if he wanted to jump in and buy these boats with him. And Adam Kadan said, yeah, let's do it. The only problem was they didn't have the money to put down a down payment on it. So what they did is they walked into a Kinko's or fucking wherever, and they drew up a false wire transfer that showed that they had put a $23 million down payment on the boats when they had, in fact, not paid anything for the boats in order to secure a loan of $60 million to buy the fleet. You can't do that. Yeah, it's called wire fraud. Jack, you can't (laughs) Can't do do that. that. It's illegal. Uh, So they did. They used that loan to buy um, the boats from Gus Bouley. But Gus Bouley, like a really terrible owner of any business kept coming back to the fucking boats and being like like you know he doesn't want to leave those are his glory days it's like the guy who comes back to his uh his high school reunion thinking that he can still like slug 870 ops or whatever but he's actually just fat and sad it's gonna it's gonna be me no it's not it's gonna be me no it's not all right um, so he kept showing back up and remarking on the changes that they were making to the boats you know and 
Adam Kadan got kind of pissed off about this and pulled him into an office and was like, you got to stop doing this or we're going to ban you from coming in. And I guess, you know, things got heated. They had some words and then Gus tried to stab Kadan with a pen or did with actually it said he successfully stabbed him with a pen but i think it was like just a little bit like he just got stabbed a tiny bit just like a little stab. you know it was just you know just a tiny little stab the kid that i work for today um held a fork at me and said i'm gonna kill you and i said that would solve a lot of my problems if you did that Yikes. and then i realized i shouldn't say that to an nine-year-old no i mean the, the th- that's not as bad as half the things this nine-year-old has said to you though that's true that is true. So if we're going to talk about who's worse, it's the nine-year-old for sure. Oh, yeah. Um, so you know, they got a restraining order on Gus from coming to the boats and from coming around Gus, Adam Kadan. But here's the thing. Turns out Adam didn't like getting stabbed for some reason. And Adam ain't a real one. Adam's a pussy. Real, real casino boat owners get stabbed. Yeah, and stab back. But... Adam Kadan had to get someone else to do his job because Adam Kadan grew up in a not-so-good area of town. He knew a lot of people in the mob. Oh. A lot of people tied specifically to the Gambino family, also oh, so. a reference to wow, the Michelle Sondona. There's a lot of throwbacks There today. is. That's DuPont, Michelle Sondona. Actually, uh, and- Abramoff also helped Enron secure an energy deal in those same islands we were well, talking about earlier, it- so that's fun. Wait, who was Jerome... Um, oh, that was Columbo. That Columbo. was the Columbo fine family. Never the mind. Gambino crime family is another one of the big ones. Yeah. <clears throat> but that, that is the one from Michelle Sondona. He, that's the family that helped him, like, uh, fake his kidnapping. Yes. In Michelle Sondona. Yep. Very interesting story. Go listen to it. But he knew some people in the Gambino crime family, and it just so happened that uh, not long after that fight that they had, Gus was uh, shot in his car at an intersection. Damn. And the investigation is already over. It was three men related to the Gambino family that had received payments from Adam Kadan. And they shot him? They shot him. Wait, they received payments from him and then shot him? Shot? No, they received payments from Adam Kadan, who oh, was the one who owned Gus. Sun Cruise and shot Gus. Sorry. Fatally, Gus died. No! So they murdered him, and he paid for the murder, basically. But um, Kadan... You're not allowed to do that either. Kadan... Pled guilty to the wire fraud and then flipped to give up the guys who murdered him. So um, he cooper really he cooperated with the investigation. That's how you get the mob to kill you. Yeah. So if Adam Kadan dies, you might know why. Um, yeah. So the fake wire transfer came out uh, also from the same thing in relations to the shooting of Gus. Uh, I think they found it from Kadan. Um, and Abramoff was arrested, eventually pled guilty to wire fraud, tax evasion, and later bribing government officials. And in his plea deal, he decided to cooperate with investigations. So a bunch of other people were convicted in this probe, including Bob Ney for uh, receiving a bribe, which was that trip to Scotland. Yeah. And uh, the people who went to Scotland, because this was more than just Bob Ney. Oh, yeah. And it was separate occasions. They said that they thought that it was a different, like a political corporation paying for it and that they were going to golf for charity. But I don't know if I believe that. But some stuff came out where they they knew that it was Abramoff paying for it. So they knew that they're being bribed. that this lobbyist was bribing them. Um, Tom DeLay, the Senate Majority Leader, resigned from Senate and from politics because of this. 
And Abramoff was sentenced to six years in prison in 2006, for which he served four years of before his release in 2010. Which is not enough. We'll get yeah, yeah, no, I mean. I'm sorry. After, like, scamming all those Native American tribes, after doing all that crap at the textile, you know, factories, yeah. you deserve so much longer than that. You screwed over so many people. I actually was thinking about this today. And about what I thought about this, because we've mentioned it a couple times on the podcast. And I think it's a complex issue. And I think the thing is, is that you have to realize that if this is enough, then we're putting people away for too long for other things. Yeah. For victimless crimes. Um, So, but if you think that that's enough for like drug offenses. Right. Then this, then white collar criminals should have to do more. Right. I think it just really comes down to that our entire justice system is fucked. Yes. Um, and there's a lot of problems. So the thing I watched about Jack Abramoff that I thought was pretty poignant and led exactly into what we're talking about now about white collar crime. Okay. All right, hold on. Now. Yeah, actually, I saw that same thing, mm-hmm. and I thought I was like, wow, that really is what we've talked yeah, about Yeah, we've a talked lot. about that in the past, and it's a slap on the wrist for not slappable offenses. Yeah, politically, like, this is a big problem. Yeah. Um, corruption is a big problem, and there have been some stuff, some things recently that have happened, even now, that really make you question or look at corruption in the political system. Um Donald Trump just pardoned a bunch of people who were convicted of corruption crimes, including pardoning someone that was involved in this scandal. Uh, He was a smaller player, um, so it's not any one of the major ones that we talked about, but someone involved in it. Um, And it kind of makes you think it's like, do we really take these things seriously? And I think we don't take them seriously enough. Oh, we don't take them seriously at all. Abramoff got released after 2010, and he went on this big campaign to try and rehabilitate his character yes he did you know and make spoke pe- at a lot of colleges yeah he went around did this big tour about Wrote you know the, yeah there's something wrong like lobbying is corrupt i did something wrong and i think he might just be really good at acting uh, yeah. sad yeah because it was it was mildly believable um it was believable enough enough but he obviously didn't truly believe it because earlier this year on june 25th 2020 uh jack abramoff and uh, a CEO for a Bitcoin corporation were charged in San Francisco, San Francisco federal court with fraud in connection with a with a five million dollar cryptocurrency deal. And Abramoff, I guess, decided to represent this company and pitch it to people, pitch it to other companies, and he said a lot of false statements to those companies about the uh, cryptocurrency that they were selling because it's it's like. It's not Bitcoin as we know it. It's like APT Bitcoin. It's like a separate cryptocurrency that they were trying to sell that he uh, said multiple false statements about to multiple companies to get them to buy it. And then when they received it, it was basically useless. And he was also 
charged with something related to uh, medical marijuana. I guess he was lobbying for medical marijuana or for legalization of recreational marijuana on uh, behalf of marijuana companies without registering as a lobbyist. So he's basically operating as a lobbyist without a license is the best way to describe it. This was a violation of the Lobbying Disclosure Act in relation to the AML uh, Bitcoin case. And noticeably or notably, this is the first person to be convicted under the Lobbying Disclosure Act, which was amended as a result of Abramoff's own previous conduct. So they uh, amended this law because of this first case with the Native American tribes. And then he is the first person to be tried for breaking it afterwards when he was the whole reason they had to change it in the first place. Dude, like you deserve it. I'm sorry. So, yeah, he faces a maximum of five years in prison for each one of those charges. He has pled guilty and is once again cooperating with investigations, but he will probably face more jail time. And he still owes the federal government 40 million dollars, which he will probably never pay off. He even said that in the one interview I was watching. He's like, I'll probably never pay this off. I'm like, cool. Yeah. So there we are. That's Jack Abramoff, uh, a leader of the college Republicans to a leader in Washington to a felon as most things of mostly those go who were in those yeah. college things go. And a lot of those other people, uh, Grover Norquist and uh, Ralph Reed, they're all still active and uh, conservatism here in America. Uh, even Abramoff for a little bit there did uh, re-register as a lobbyist because there was, was no lifetime ban or anything against him being a lobbyist and lobbied with uh, the Donald Trump Foundation, you know, for this last election or the 2016 election, rather. So shit's crazy. It's ridiculous. <laughs> so thanks so much for listening, you guys. Uh, I hope you uh, enjoyed this little snippet about Jack Abramoff, uh, the largest corruption case ever in American history. We'd love if you would leave us an honest review on iTunes or if you would share us on any one of the other podcasting services which you might listen to uh, go ahead and to our Facebook page and like us at facebook.com slash white collars red hands go to our Twitter and follow us at white collars pod you can go to our Instagram white collars underscore red hands and uh, follow us there we usually give a little snippet of each uh, each episode episode thank you i don't know what's going on with my brain each episode before it comes out uh so yeah that's it thank so, you so much we'll see you next week on another episode of white collars red, red hands, hands.